Welcome to the Chrisman Commentary Daily Mortgage News Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Chrisman. Topics on today's episode include consumer alerts, my interview with Clear Capital's Keenan Chen on putting a bow on the real estate market in 2023 and why 2024 brings reasons for optimism, and what to look forward to at today and tomorrow's Fed meeting. Thanks to today's podcast sponsor, Richie May. Richie May is a recognized leader in providing specialized advisory, audit, tax, technology, and other services to the mortgage industry for almost four decades. Among many awards, Richie May has been named a top 100 firm twice and is known in the market for their education and contributions to the mortgage industry. To experience how Richie May can help you transform your mortgage business, visit richiemay.com. The other day, I went to the doctor, and the receptionist handed me a tablet and said, please fill out these medical forms on the screen, which are identical to the ones you filled out earlier online, and have the exact same questions your doctor will ask you later in the exam room. Great. There's nothing like old-fashioned printed things. I'm sure that menu, quick response, or QR codes are fine, but plenty of other QR codes are not. The Federal Trade Commission, or FTC, warned the public against scanning any old QR code in a consumer alerts blog last week. Naturally, the warning comes down to security and privacy. Bad actors can put QR codes in inconspicuous places or send them via text or email, then just sit back and wait for a payday in the form of money, logins, or other sensitive information. For the link to that story, as well as the latest employment opportunities and lender and broker products, programs, and services, Oh, and some correspondent and wholesale program updates, and conforming conventional news from the agencies, whoa, <laughs> visit robchrisman.com. For today's interview, I wanted to welcome onto the show Clear Capital's Keenan Chen to talk about putting a bow on the real estate market in 2023 and why 2024 brings reasons for optimism. As head of strategy and growth at Clear Capital, Keenan sits at the intersection of the executive product marketing, and sales teams, guiding the company's growth and ensuring Clear Capital delivers consistent and long-term value to its customers and partners. Since the beginning of Clear Capital, Keenan has developed and launched some of the company's most forward-looking solutions, including Clear Prop and Clear Collateral. Let's start by putting a wrap on what's been a difficult 2023 for the mortgage industry and the real estate market in general. How would you characterize the real estate market over the course of the year? Well, as, as everyone knows, it's been it's been a, a challenging uh, market, but it's it's really been a uh, I guess I was using the word you know reset you know um, coming off of you know the, the the highs if you will that that we had in in terms of uh, activity over the past few years you know um, uh, this year has been um, you know fairly flat. We haven't been on this this huge roller coaster uh, up and down that that, that we've been on. Um, but you know, I think one of the themes from from this year, though, is that even in the midst of you know lower um, you know volume, we're still seeing you know home prices uh, stay really robust um, due to um, a lack of supply, and and that you know um, mixed with uh, mortgage rates remaining high has really created some affordability challenges, and so I think that's been a big theme. You know this year of um you know seeing low volume but still 
you know, high prices and and uh, and and challenges with with affordability. What do you feel like the lasting impacts from this year will be? What's going to carry over into twenty twenty four, or at least initially at the start of twenty twenty four? Well, it's certainly hard to have a have a crystal ball, and and uh, we, we've seen that you know every year there's some sort of curveball you know thrown at us, but. You know, if we kind of look at the way things are, um, you know, progressing, you know, we're certainly hearing that we'll still be in some of a high rate environment. You know, there's some some signs of life of rates coming down, um, you know, perhaps even, um, you know, some rate cuts, you know, next year. But, you know, it, it seems like we'll still be in a, a prolonged period of of mortgage rates being, um, you know, b- being being high. Um uh, and then, you know, also we we still see, um, you know, I think some of the same challenges around around supply. But, you know, there's these different areas that uh, changes that were made this year that I think could create, you know, some real positive opportunities for next year. Some of those have been, um, you know, GSE policy changes. You know, we've seen um, a, a few different things go into place this year, especially in our world, in the appraisal world. Uh, with um, uh, Fannie Mae's value acceptance plus property data program, Freddie Mac's ACE plus PDR program, these you know inspection-based uh, waivers that provide some other options for reducing appraisal cost, um, you know, speeding up you know, turn times. Those are at their really at their beginning stages of adoption. Um, there's been uh, you know. A, you know, 300 or so lenders that have already at least dipped their toe in and, and started um, to utilize these programs. I, but I expect that that's set in motion um, uh, more of a widespread change. You know, for next year, as as people are able to prioritize um, uh, adopting these from you know a technology you know perspective. So, so the policy changes that happened this year. I think are, we're going to see what the impact actually is in 2024. Um, that also goes um, along with the things like the AVM uh, rule changes that um, happened this year that I think are providing some additional guidance for uh, the use of automated valuation models, how they should be tested. And then, of course, the the big one, you know, that really, I think, took center stage this year in terms of conversation is AI. And um, the the wider use and, and adoption of AI and thinking about how that will change our our industry, I think we'll see a lot of that uh, materialize into actual um, you know the changes in the way people go about uh, thinking about the, the products and and their business in, in 2024. I'm glad you're looking on the bright side of things. It's, it's good to hear <laughs> some optimism. Uh, I'm going to do some practical management here and and ask you. What can professionals across the ecosystem do to prepare for what ultimately might end up being another challenging year next year? And I appreciate you saying that nobody has a crystal ball because it's true. Nobody does have a crystal ball. Yeah, it's it's, it's true. And and um, <laughs> you're catching me on a, on, on a good day. So I do feel pretty optimistic um, uh, uh, today. And, and one of those areas that I started feeling maybe maybe optimistic isn't necessarily the right word, but but kind of. Uh, hopeful and, and looking for the, the silver lining, which is that I'm thinking a lot about how um, constraints um, really do uh, help sometimes to drive uh, more effective 
solutions and effective outcomes. Um, you know, this year, because of the market and because of having less um, resources, everyone in our industry has had less resources um, at their fingertips in order to make changes. The changes that are being made have had to be, you know, prioritized very carefully. Um, we've had to manage resources very carefully. And so whatever whatever you do spend your time and money on has to count. It has to matter. And so in a way, I think, you know, using constraints to your advantage as a professional becomes really important. In, in some ways, when you can do anything you want, you can you can run lots of projects in parallel. It, it, you know, it actually um, uh, so, can be somewhat distracting from the thing that's most important to get done um, that will have the biggest impact. And right now, those constraints have actually helped us be able to really streamline and focus on um, what's really going to move the needle with the resources that we have. Um, you know, I, I see um, even though it's you know it's difficult, I think, for a lot of lenders to spend a lot of money on investing in new technology and things, there's also this realization that the market is going to come back uh, in the future and that they need to be ready for scale, um, ready for being able to get the most out of the the, the team and resources and, and, and platforms that they have. Um, I also heard a lot of a lot of people looking at the platforms that they already have in place and making sure they're getting the most out of them, you know, fully implementing things that they've already put in place. So so I think that's what it is. It's just looking at constraints in a way as a as a blessing um, and um, and looking at it as a way to actually not not be distracted, but focus on the things that matter. I saw a report in the media last week. I think it was from Black Knight that said tappable equity in people's homes is back to near record levels. And you actually had some comments in the media recently about potentially unlocking untapped equity in homes for borrowers. Why do you feel like that's a prudent solution for many people out there? It really does go down to the individual and, and their their own financial goals and financial situation to make, you know, to make that decision as to why it's it's prudent or not. You know, my comments in the media are really kind of examining the fact that Yes, there is an incredible amount of equity available right now, you know, over $30 trillion worth of equity available to U.S. homeowners. And what we're seeing is that there's there's um, maybe a wider variety of options available for how people should tap into, the, in, into that equity. Um, you know, the, the traditional methods of, um, you know, a home equity line of credit or, or, or closed in, you know, home equity loan. Um, have been with us for a while, but you know, within the prop tech world, um, there's a lot of additional models that um, that are being being offered up. You know, home equity investments or home equity agreements. Um, you know, there's this uh, concepts of of how to use your you know current equity to purchase your next home without selling you know uh, the, the one you have first as a as a contingency. Um, and I just think it's interesting to look at those and to explore those and, and make sure that. Uh, consumers are are educated as to all the options that they might have, um, given the amount of equity available. I saw some more comments from you in the media that were talking about a trade-in mortgage, and that kind of piqued my interest. Even I'm a little confused about it, so I'm looking to get some of your expertise here. What is a trade-in mortgage? Can you break it down for me? 
Well, the, the, the concept and the, the trade and mortgage concept is where, you know, um, providing, you know, models where you can purchase, this is really more, I think, for existing homeowners, but where you can purchase, you know, your, your next home before you sell the home that you, that you have. Um, so that number one, your, the sale of your current home is not a contingency that makes your offer less competitive. Um, but also, um, to give you some flexibility on, um, on, on moving and, and the, the time frame to move is kind of what these models, you know, um, you know, sell themselves as. And, um, and so you're using equity in your existing property, um, in order to facilitate that. Um, I mean, it's kind of a, you think of bridge loans as another way to, to do the same thing. Um, um, I just think it's interesting that, you know, uh, you know, we've come through the, uh, the height of, you know, I buyers and power buyers and, and some of these different models and, and we're seeing which models actually will survive, um, the, 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 the market, um, you know, from, from our standpoint, we we like to help innovators do unique things by giving them an accurate understanding of the property's value, and that you know it doesn't matter what the the lending model or, or the or the investment model is. You know, really um, getting a view into what this property is, what's it worth, what's the market doing. That's where we spend our time. You know, thinking about helping to facilitate you know good decisions. So I've also heard of an assumable mortgage, which I think is like a pipe dream for many people. Uh, do you have much knowledge about those and what sort of market share they're commanding or how they work or uh, any, any comments you could share? I, I don't have any comments on that model specifically, but um, I, I think that, you know, maybe the, the takeaway, you know, theme is that um, it's very difficult as a first time home buyer to, uh, be in a place where where you can you know a, a afford uh, both the down payment as you know um, based on the, the the strength of home prices right now, as well as of course the the, the mortgage itself, given the fact that rates are still you know above seven percent um, at, at least at this time, and and so we're getting creative, right? We're getting creative as an industry to. Um, you know, find ways for um, first-time home buyers to, to to have an opportunity. Um, and you know, I talk about constraints, right? So, it, you know, the, the 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 constraints of unaffordability, I think, are giving rise to uh, new new creative models to help people both with down payments as well as um, you know to make their ongoing payments more more affordable and. Um, you know, that's maybe the, the silver lining in, in all this is that um, I, I think we're thinking broader about the about the problems than we than we have before. And we're also looking at ways to use technology um, to fa facilitate that faster. Well, that's good. You mentioned creative models, because that's where I kind of want to close this conversation today. And I'll, I'll bring it back to clear capital here a little bit and ask about prop tech companies in general, how are current offerings out there shaping the next wave of real estate? You know, prop tech companies have had to adapt, um, you know, quite a bit uh, uh, through, 
these market cycles. Thinking of you know, I buying is one of those those models that you know, um, you know, perhaps is is in a much different situation now with current market. What I find though is that is that a, a number of prop tech companies are looking at ways to make first time home buying more uh, attainable. You know, I'm, I'm thinking of you know companies like um, you know Crib Crib Equity, which is maybe what you were thinking of in terms of the idea of a, a, a trade in you know mortgage for first time home buyers. That, that's you know essentially like how you know can a company you know help to lower your uh, a, a down payment by participating with you in um, in in the home home purchase in terms of some sort of co ownership model. Um, you know, seeing a lot more of of that as well. Where you know, can companies help you facilitate? You know, instead of buying a home with your family member or getting you know money from a rich uncle, be able to you know co buy a home with with friends or with other people in a similar situation. You know, to 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 you, um, and you know, but what I see is that a lot of prop tech companies are still, you know, needing to partner really well with traditional lenders, of course, to uh, to to facilitate that. So the technology is on the front end, making it more seamless for the consumer, um, uh, but then forming a bridge, you know, to to uh, to traditional financing. Um, Again, we we think a lot about the collateral itself, and so you know we end up being getting a good view of all these different types of models because it all comes down to the importance of understanding the property's value, um, understanding its you know its its characteristics and in, in, in condition, and so you know we get to participate in the prop tech world by creating uh, solutions that you know digitally capture the home, you know solutions that. Um, provide you know quick automated understanding of the value you know using AI. Um, so in, in many ways, it's an exciting time to to be in the industry. Uh, even given the challenges and the difficulties, to me that just means that there's problems worth solving, and uh, and I love being a part of that. I wholeheartedly agree with you. I think out of challenging times and adversity comes great growth and evolution. So it seems like we're getting toward that in the mortgage industry. Keenan, I really appreciate you making the time for me today. This was great. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you. Appreciate it. The Federal Reserve's Federal Open Market Committee's two-day meeting kicks off today in Washington, D.C. The Fed is nearly assured to maintain interest rates at current levels of 5.25% to 5.5% for its last decision of the year. The Fed's policy statement will likely acknowledge the recent decline in inflation, and the bank will release its latest dot plot, which will indicate how many rate cuts the Fed expects next year. Chair Powell will likely emphasize that the Fed is still willing to hike if inflation proves stickier than expected. Forecasts are for the Fed to make the first rate cut of this cycle in June. Outside of the Fed, there was a 10-year U.S. Treasury note auction yesterday, and there's a 30-year bond auction today. The $37 billion 10-year note auction yesterday met underwhelming interest, but the market held its ground. The 10-year Treasury yield has fallen around 80 basis points from its mid-October peak, as more confidence that the Fed will start reducing interest rates in the next six months has been priced into the markets. Agents MBS have followed to some extent, but prepayment fears are not helping MBS investor appetites. 
Prior to the start of the FOMC's two-day meeting, today's economic calendar kicked off with NFIB small business optimism for November. But more importantly, the consumer price index for November is out. Headline CPI came in up 0.1% and up 3.1% year-over-year versus 0% month-over-month and 3.2% year-over-year previously. Core CPI increased 0.3% as expected month-over-month and 4% year-over-year as expected. Later today brings the aforementioned $21 billion reopened 30-year bond auction and the federal budget for November. Remember, the last 30-year bond auction was weak, so this one will be closely watched. We begin the day with agency MBS prices better than Monday afternoon by a solid quarter, the 10-year yielding 4.16 after closing yesterday at 4.24%, and the two-year down to 4.65%. Let's wrap up with a joke and some housekeeping. Here's a Christmas to-do list for you. Cut down a perfectly healthy tree. Check. Wrap an electrical wiring fabricated in China. Check. Place in a bucket of water and drag into the living room. Check. Plug it into the home electrical system. Check. Shove cardboard boxes under incendiary device, thumbing your nose at Prometheus. Check. Cross your fingers until Christmas. Thanks again to Richie May, a recognized leader in providing specialized advisory, audit, tax, technology, and other services to the mortgage industry for almost four decades. If you have any questions about the podcast or sponsoring opportunities, send me an email at Robbie at robchrisman.com. Visit robchrisman.com for more information on our industry partners, access to archived commentaries, and how to subscribe to the daily mortgage news and commentary. To listen to or download past episodes of this podcast, search Mortgage News on any platform you get your podcast from.